The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Listen, they're all around you, close as a thought or a memory. Messages of Hope. Messages of Hope. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of talking about the greater reality and our place in it, the fact that that greater reality exists and you are part of it. That is what we try to get into your conscious awareness every week. I just came from speaking for two hours straight to a group in my community all about the fact that you are the light and helping people to understand what that means when we say that. I'm still just high on the love that was in that room. Ty and I hopped in the car and drove over here to do the radio show and he was all sniffing and wiping tears. Everybody was because when we awaken our hearts, there's no mistaking that we are that love that so many people seek outside of themselves. What a beautiful message to share with people. Talk about a beautiful person to share with you today. Our guest is Marie Manucheri. I first discovered her when I was looking for a good book about chakras and what they are. And she has a book called Intuitive Self-Healing, Achieve Balance and Wellness Through the Body's Energy Centers. And I'm going to tell you right up front, I tell people everywhere I go, if you're looking for a good book about understanding chakras, read Marie Manucheri's book, Intuitive Self-Healing. It is the best book I have ever read, the best explanation of what the chakras are and how they they work with our lives here, every aspect of our lives. But we'll let her talk about that. Let me tell you a little bit about Marie. She's an energy medicine healer who's the perfect bridge between conventional and holistic medicine. It was during her work as an oncology nurse that she discovered and developed her skills as an energy medicine practitioner. A self-taught healer, Marie learned to connect conventional medicine's understanding of disease to what she could intuitively understand about how a patient's condition related to his or her energy system. And that's not exactly our topic today. We'll get to that later, but we will be asking Marie to tell about her story and her work. Marie also discovered she's a medium, just like I am, which I love. I don't have too many mediums on the show who can, of course, connect with those living on the other side. And she uses her abilities as an energy medicine practitioner and as a medium to help people heal their wounds and expand consciousness. So enough talking about Marie. Let's talk to Marie. Welcome to the show. 
Oh, thank you, Suzanne, so much for having me on your beautiful show. And you're right, it's not every day mediums get to hang out together. You know, they're... I'm sure there are many people on the planet who don't even know they're a medium as of yet, but, um, but you know you're a medium and you practice it, and so do I. So, yeah, it's a great honor to be with someone who has extraordinary skills. So thank you for having me on your show. Oh, it's such a pleasure and honor is mine. I just so honor your work. Uh, I want to let everybody know that our topic today is how the words we say to ourselves and out loud matter. Now, why in the world are we talking about that with a medium? <laughs> Marie's going to tell us later how speaking out loud can help to manifest your desires. But first, Marie, would you just... Uh, if you were to tell us your story as it relates to what's important for listeners of this show, what would you share with us? Um, well, I would share that um, I was very blessed as a young person to be raised spiritually. In fact, our family attended a unity church that we lived right next to on and off. And um, and so I wasn't afraid of the mystical realm or the multisensory world. I didn't have regular experiences like people who have really expanded their consciousness may have. I would have an experience maybe once a decade, but it wasn't until I was in my late 30s that um, while I was working as an oncology nurse that I began to hear and see and feel my patient's energy. And the funny thing was is that I didn't end up on the oncology floor planned. I didn't even, even moving into or, you know, choosing nursing as career was actually kind of taboo with my family because my family is super holistic. When we were sick and, and we were kids, our, my mother who raised us alone, five, five kids, she would take us to a Chinese rural medicine doctor, a chiropractor. Um, we rarely saw a physician unless we broke a bone or um, we needed vaccinations, which we were usually a year to two years behind the vaccination schedule. So my family was um, odd in that way at the time because this was in the 70s. Um, I was well, born you're, in, you're in like 60s, backwards actually. for most people. Most people go from the straight stuff to the woo-woo stuff, but you, you went the I other know. way. I know. And all my mom's friends thought they were psychics and I thought they were all crazy. And I wanted to be normal. You know, I just oh, wanted to gosh. be a normal person. So I married an engineer and then... He, with a bunch of other people, plus an experience I had, um, which I'll share in a moment, when I was pregnant with my first daughter, um, convinced me to take pre-nursing classes. And it, it wasn't like my logical mind was saying, why would I do this? I should just go become a naturopath. But I just didn't really, I don't know why naturopathic medicine at the time didn't entice me. And I took some prerequisites and did very well and loved science and uh, went to nursing school. And from the moment... I started taking classes, even pre and then during nursing school. I just loved every minute of it. I loved the people I was surrounded with. I love the hospital. Even to this day, when someone has to go to the hospital, I'm just so excited I get to go visit them and walk through <laughs> double doors and just be in the environment. When I teach Reiki workshops, I tell everyone when we're setting up our tables for treatments, like, please make it look like a hospital. <laughs> you know? I'm no kidding. Like I get that, though. Yeah. Yeah, right. And it could be related to past lives. Who knows? Um, but I also, because I wasn't introduced to modern medicine, which to me, conventional medicine is modern versus traditional medicine and holistic medicine. I find it fascinating and interesting. Like there's this whole other spectrum that I knew nothing about as a young person. And of course, we still need modern medicine. Our consciousness isn't evolved enough to just use our mind or holistic medicine all the time to affect health and well-being. Although, Someday we'll be able to, and some people do yeah, it already. I was just going to stop you and say that's. I can hear what you're saying, that we are moving in that direction. So 
Wow. Totally. Wonderful to hear. Completely agree. Completely agree. So I was working as a nurse and I had been having um, rapid heart rate for months and months and months. And I finally told one of the cardiologists on the floor and he did a full workup on me and Luckily, I was pronounced healthy, but he said my biorhythms were off because I had been working night shifts. So I, he ordered me to work day shift, and the only day shift available was the oncology floor, which, of course, to my family of origin was even more upsetting because not only am I working in conventional medicine, now I'm also infusing the most powerful drugs into human beings. Um, but once again, as soon as I walked on the floor, I fell madly in love with it and the patients. And it's it's really amazing to be a part of a team of people who are just devoted to the health and well-being of an individual. And I think one of the things I love about medicine, too, is nobody looks at anyone's age or gender or culture when you're caring for someone. You know, I mean, of course, age appropriately in terms of how you approach the patient and gender in terms of what you need medically or whatnot. But it's just this really interesting place where everyone erases that from their mind and is just there you know, doing everything they can to help that individual. It's a really cool experience. Okay. So are you there? I'm here. Yeah. Can you hear me? Okay. Sorry. I guess. Yeah. Now. Yes, I can. I guess for a moment, maybe I faded out. I'm not sure. So, um, I, a year later I began to have rapid heart rate again and I knew I was medically fine. And so I started to meditate something I was never very good at still not my favorite thing to do, although I do do it regularly. It's not my favorite thing to do. And um, from that moment on, I began to have multisensory experiences. I would walk on the hospital floor and be standing next to a patient's bedside doing a technical skill like changing a dressing or putting in a new IV or something of that nature. And all of a sudden, the hospital blanket on top of their body would literally start glowing. And I would then start looking at this you know, vibrational shift, that's not the word I would have used at the time, but the vibrational shift of the fabric. And and then I would feel like I'm just pulled into their body. And next thing I know, I'm looking at a liver or a pancreas or some other anatomical part of the body. And it's telling me why it's not feeling well, which a lot of it had to do with the medication we were giving them. But then it would also tell me the underlying emotional component as to why they weren't healing or why they became ill to begin with. So this was going on for a few months and every Can day. Can I interrupt became... a second here? Did that? Well, oh, sure. I mean, that must have been shocking. And I love that everybody <laughs> listening noticed that, that her abilities just came online through the practice of meditation, just like my abilities as a medium. But I'm, I'm, I'm just amazed and awed by how spirit works that you were meant to be a healer. So that's what showed up for you. But what, how did that affect you? Did that blow you away? So it ha- if you don't mind me asking, so that happened for you too while you were meditating? Oh, that's completely I mean, that's how my abilities turned your... on. I had oh no idea gosh. that I was a medium Amazing. that I could connect to the other side. And it's because of I the love meditation it. opened it up. I love yeah. it. I wasn't freaked out because I was raised so holistically and spiritually. And I, I read like Seth Speaks when I was 10. And so I, oh my gosh. and other <laughs> mystical books. So I was just more surprised it was happening to me. I believed in it. I knew it happened to other people. I never sought it out. Um, And then here we are. What concerned me, though, because of my logical mind and my desire, I had this role as a nurse that nobody coded on my watch, which meant that our very sickest patients either had to be transferred to a critical care unit or we needed to change their code status if they were going to code. And I had a 
for my entire career as a nurse, no one coded when I worked on the floor. So, um, so I was concerned, and it's kind of a silly rule, by the way, it's not very practical. Um, I was concerned that I wouldn't be as alert to their physical symptoms and I would miss something and that a patient would need some urgent response and I wouldn't be effective. So I mm-hmm. actually told my supervisor. Um, so, and I really thought I was going to get suspended and that she was going to order a psyche valve. I was convinced of that. And I hadn't even told my, I was married at the time. I hadn't told my husband, my then husband that I was having these experiences. I actually had joined two meditation groups by that time. And all the people in the meditation groups were having so much fun living vicariously through the experiences I was having at the hospital that my inner mm-hmm. circle wasn't aware. And uh, so I went to my supervisor's office, told her everything that I was seeing and hearing. And she said to me, I think that you're seeing energy. And I and she talked about chakras and healing touch, which is a nursing modality created and supported by nurses all around the U.S. And, um, and she said, I think you should start laying your hands on our patients. I was completely shocked. Wow. Yeah, right? And the funny thing is I really loved yeah. this woman. I thought she was an incredible supervisor before that encounter. Like she always seemed to have this really unique approach to you know, challenging situations because there are times I disagreed with treatment plans with the physicians. Of course, I always followed my nursing orders, whatever they gave me. Of course, I had to order, uh, I had to follow them. But there were many times I was, of course, unhappy that we're feeding poor diets to hospitalized patients. We're not giving them probiotics and we're, you know, we're depleting their immune system, but we're not doing anything to support it. And she would always find some great way where she could mediate the physician or my and perhaps other nurses' concerns and come to some conclusion where we both felt like, okay, that's a little bit better. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was pretty shocked. And about three days later, I decided wow. to lay my hands on a patient in, with intention, because of course I'd touched hundreds of patients, but not with that intention. Mm-hmm. And I picked the healthiest patient on the floor, which is so silly in retrospect. I'm like, why did I do that? I picked someone who was not an oncology patient. She was a overflow from the surgical unit. She was ready to go home, but she emotionally was having a hard time and was having elevated pain. And um, I went into her room. And I remember, I write about this in the book, and thank you so much for reading the book and all the beautiful things that you said. That's so kind of you. Thank you. Um, I I remember her look on on her face when she saw me, like, you know, is this nurse going to prod me with something is what I interpreted (laughs) her concern. And then I said, I would love to lay my hands on you. And she said, oh, absolutely, and relaxed her her body and lay down. And neither one of us knew it was going to happen. You know, I'd never done that before. And so I closed my eyes and laid my hands on her. And instantaneously, I heard this very beautiful, high pitched kind of harp melody that I've never heard since. And it felt very familiar to me. And I was able to see the internal organs of her body and hear why she was in pain and discomfort, which I was able to talk to her about after our time together. And that's really the first time that I saw the chakras light up in the body, even though at that point, I still didn't know what they were. Um, It was an incredible and beautiful experience. And from then on, I was hooked. Yeah. Wow. Those of you who might have joined us late, we're talking to Energy Intuitive Marie Manucheri, and that's her website, by the way, energyintuitive.com. And if you want to learn about the chakras, really beyond the – so many people just restate the same – ordinary things about how what the chakras do her book intuitive self-healing again 
in my opinion, the best book I've ever read about the chakras and how to use them to help heal ourselves. So you had a spontaneous mediumship experience with a patient in the hospital, isn't that right? I wish I'd known you then. That would have been lovely. I'm so glad we get to know each other now. How exciting is that? Yeah, everything happened for me in the hospital, and which I think is interesting and obviously why I was meant to be a nurse, so that I could open up myself to different layers of my consciousness that I had no idea existed. And somehow following that, uh, I had this joyful experience when I was pregnant with my oldest, where I was living in a small town far away from my family, and the OBGYN did not have a phlebotomist, and I needed blood drawn for labs. And so I had to literally go into their teaching hospital, this very big hospital. And I was really nervous the night before, because again, of my upbringing being so holistic, I was not very trusting of um, modern medicine. But when I walked through the double doors of the hospital, I felt enormous joy. It was spontaneous. It overcame me. Everything that I looked at inside the hospital made me even more joyful. It was an incredible experience. Mm. So years, a few years later, when I was asked by, you know, my former husband and friends, you should really go to nursing school. It was that event that made me curious about, hmm, maybe there's something about this that my logical mind doesn't understand, but it's somehow coming up again and I need to check it out. So the the medium experience happened on the floor of the oncology floor. I was a charge nurse most days that I worked. And so I was, uh, we had a medical tally on floor. It was very busy, lots of patients. And you kind of run around when you're a charge nurse, making sure that everybody has what they need. You know? And yeah. so from like seven in the morning until three o'clock in the afternoon, there was this interesting bl- kind of a blob, this blue blob. It looked almost like a long fabric dress that somebody was wearing and this kind of contorted face had, it was, it had come out of the blue blob. I know this sounds kind of weird, but it was about not to me. Feet above me. <laughs> I know. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Floating in the air. And this woman was, you know, maybe in her seventies or eighties. At least that would have been my, you know, um, my guess at that time. And it's, she started speaking to me. So when I first started to see this blue blob forming, I thought, okay, well, you know, every day I see something different. Who knows what this is, but I was super busy and I didn't have time to really, you know, check it out. I'm at work, you know, I've got pagers on me and you know all kinds of stuff going on. And, and she says to me, one of the times that I'm passing in the hallway, will you please go talk to my son through this mental telepathic conferencing? And I reported back to her, I don't even know what room he's in. I'm way too busy. I can't. And so I just turned away. And by the time the afternoon came, she's like yelling at me, you know, she's oh very kind of determined. Right. And, and so finally I must've like, put my resistance down or relaxed in some way and a door really close to where she was levitating started to glow. And I went, Oh, he's in that room. So I spoke to his nurse because at that point, doctors and nurses knew what I was doing. And sometimes physicians would literally order me to work on patients. They, they would say, could you go and go do that thing to Mrs. Johnson that you do? And I, <laughs> oh, I love say, it. Go do that thing you do. <laughs> That's outstanding. I was very, very blessed. And I said, well, sometimes I would say, I can't, I'm too busy. And so they would order, okay, I'm writing an order that you're going to go and do therapeutic touch for Mrs. Johnson. And then 
being a registered nurse, you are required under law to follow orders. So I'd have to go do it. So wow. the board knew pretty much what I was doing. And some supervisors and other units would call me if their employees were in the hospital and ask me on my day off to come in and do energy work. And they would pay me for it even. So I felt, again, extremely blessed. And so I, I was telling, asking this, the person who's in the doorway, this woman's son, you know, I'm, is it okay if I go in there and do what I do to your patient? She said, oh, yeah, sure, go right ahead. So, of course, I was really happy at that time in my life to be able to say I was a charge nurse before I, I then started to act a little crazy, potentially, you know, to whoever <laughs> I might run into. And um, I walked into this room. There was a young man, I would say he's in his 30s, and a young woman approximately the same age sitting next to him. So he was in the bed, and there was this lovely woman sitting next to him, and I when I walked in the room, because I just had this feeling that the woman was his dead mother. I didn't know, but I had a feeling. And I said, has your mother died? far from dead, right? Exactly. I know. I always use that term, which I know is confusing. Just so we, and I can't wait to hear what your terminology is, how you keep it all separate between guides and living in a body and living on the other Mm -hmm. side. I can't wait to hear your terminology. Um, you know, I said, has your mother passed? And he said, yes. And I said, would you consider kind of aggressive? And he burst out laughing and said the woman next to him. And he then introduced me to his sister. And he said, yes, she was a very determined person. And I said, she's been yelling at me all day long to come in here. And <laughs> would it be okay with you if I laid hands on you? So he said, yes. And as soon as I did, I knew why I didn't know. I didn't even know his history, but he had a terminal illness and when I laid hands on him, I knew that he um, thought that he wasn't going to be able to leave the hospital, that this was his last hospitalization. And his mother knew that it wasn't true because she was on the other Mm -hmm. side and she could sense that he was worried and concerned. His sister, on the other hand, had no idea that he was even upset. So I'm getting all this information and I'm communicating it to him. And he, of course, starts to cry. And, and I explained, um, you know, that your mom wants you to know that you have more time here and that she would love for you to relax and enjoy yourself and and that when times when time comes, she will be right next to you, as she is right now, but right next to you, and you'll be fully aware of her presence, you know. So that was my first medium experience. That's fantastic. And I'm envious because to this day, I don't what? see the spirits objectively as you describe it, seeing her following you around. I, I sense the presence. And when I sit deliberately to connect, the connection is there. But that's a, what a joy. If more of us could see that, we would know just how present our loved ones who have passed really are. And that's the terminology I use, Marie. <laughs> anyway, I, love I love it. I love it. That's that We call them our dead relatives, but they're not dead. They're right here. No. So yeah, they're right next to us. We, yeah. So do they, we're, we're going to spend the second half of the show talking about manifesting and talking about mm-hmm. words as vibrations, tapping into your energy side. But because this is a show about the greater reality, I'd just love to take the few minutes before the break and ask you, do do you still see the spirits objectively? That means with your own eyes oh, right yeah. there in the room. And do they just show oh, up yeah. spontaneously? Spontaneously. I work in my home. I see about um, under 20 people a week. I've had a full-time practice for 20 years and I, you know, teach and everything like you do as well. Um, I'm sure you even do more things than I do. And so, yeah, it's, I, I never thought that it would be such an important part of healing, but of course it is. So many people have connections with their loved ones on the other side and they need their presence and their words and their touch. 
So it happens to me almost every day. So I choose not to know anything about clients before they come to my home. I don't even want to know their name um, because I don't want my logical mind to get, you know, confused or concerned. Mm -hmm. About 60% of the people I see have health issues and 40% do not. So I don't want my my medical medical mind, you know, to... uh, jump to any conclusions. So sometimes I'll be washing dishes. I have an assistant who takes care of my calendar and, you know, greets people and all of that good stuff. And um, I'll look over and there's someone, a loved one, your language, which I love, helping me wash dishes. Or, you know, water has a lot to do with it. I could be going pee and someone is standing in the bathroom or I'm in the shower. (laughs) So someone, you know, many times people will show up and then when I greet the person who's the client, I'll see that person standing next to them. But most of the time, they just walk into my office and start communicating. And I don't hear names. That could be why I don't, uh, why I see them so clearly, because I literally describe what they look like, you know, and their personality. Um, So that could be why, you know, we're all kind of unique on what we pick up on it, I'm, I'm assuming is how it works. I love that. And it validates what I heard from a friend, Cheryl, who was on the show. Cheryl Saylor was on the show a few weeks ago, and she was talking about how she sees the spirit people objectively. That means out there in the room, eyes open with her physical eyes, seeing them as you do, Marie. And she was doing a Reiki session and was so stunned to see the client's family members surrounding her the client and putting their hands on her until she began her Reiki work. And then they all just disappeared. Have you had that experience Love where it. family members actually just try to help you with the healing? Oh yeah. They, they come in here and literally lay hands on their loved ones, literally. And not everybody does. Cause maybe some people aren't comfortable. I'm not sure, but I would say maybe 50% are interactive with their loved ones. And, and of course, there's a possibility that they are contributing in some way that other 50% that I'm not conscious of. But yeah, they love to um, help and they're from a place of, you know, pure conscious energy. And so their ability to help is profound. Now, that's in an energy healing setting. I I hope all of you are listening and thinking with wonder, wow, so does that happen to me? And of course it does. But Marie, does this happen? Would this happen in a regular doctor's office as well? Would our loved ones be around to your experience? I know our loved ones are around, but as far as laying hands on and helping. Yeah, I've especially when I have clients who've had you know, some serious health issues and they've been going to the doctor a lot and they're under a lot of stress, the first thing one of their loved ones will tell me is, please tell them I go to every doctor's appointment. I'm yelling at their doctor. I'm saying, Did you, will you take that test again? And wow. they're trying to be as helpful as they can be. I even sense, which may not be true, um, a little bit of frustration on their part because I'm sure they can see beyond what we even know consciously about healing. If you would pardon me, the frustration is that we have to go to a break right now. So everybody come back. (laughs) We're going to continue talking with Marie Manucheri about how we can manifest with the spoken word. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. 
the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. This programming is made possible through the generous donations of listeners like you. If you feel inspired by this programming, we invite you to contribute. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate to make your offering today. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Catherine Ponder, taken from a classic talk called The Prosperous Truth, recorded at Unity of Austin in 1991. I heard from a young lady who was just starting out as a Unity minister, and she said, I am not teaching prosperity yet in my ministry because I have not yet demonstrated it in my own life. And I don't think I should teach what I have not demonstrated. And I wrote her back and said, Honey, you've got it all backwards. You need to teach what you want to learn. You teach what you want to demonstrate. Because you cannot demonstrate what you do not know. There must be an inworking before there can be an outworking. To find out more about Unity Teachings, visit unity.org. What if you could start each day with a positive outlook, remembering you are a divine expression of God? Daily Word is a booklet of daily devotionals, offering positivity that's downright contagious. With a print subscription or by email, you can pause to reflect on how to practice spirituality in your human experience. Reading Daily Word takes about a minute a day, so you can feel uplifted every morning. Visit dailyword.com to subscribe. Know Yourself as Divine, Stations of the Cosmic Christ. A new book from Matthew Fox and Bishop Mark Andrus introduce a spiritual practice designed to help you realize the divine within. Combining prayer and an interpretation of the Stations of the Cross, featuring beautiful imagery, you will be led on a process of transformation. This book will help you discover the most caring, courageous, and compassionate parts of yourself. Get your copy today at Amazon.com or Unity.org shop. More and more people are interested in a vegan lifestyle, and the numbers continue to grow. Join Victoria Moran every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central for Main Street Vegan and learn how to make the shift to help animals and the planet. Each week, Victoria shares recipes, health tips, and interviews with celebrity vegans, experts, and activists. Learn how to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Right here on Unity Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back. You're listening to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Oh, boy, are we having a good discussion or not today with energy intuitive and medium Marie Manucheri. I've been reading her work for years. It's such a pleasure to talk with her today. We've been talking about her story. In just a minute, we're going to move into how you listening today can learn to manifest your desires better in this life. But let me quickly tell you. 
To find out more about Marie, check out her website, energyintuitive.com. And she has a fabulous weekly radio show broadcast live every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific time on 1150 a.m. and also streamed online through her website, Energy Intuitive. So, Marie, let's talk about manifesting. You've you've been in love with this your whole life, manifesting, right? I have. I have. um, I just know that we are creating our reality all the time, and I've always been uh, inspired by how do we do that? How do we let ourselves create what we truly, truly, truly desire? So, yeah, it's a big turn on for me, actually. (laughs) Okay. Now, I read somewhere you said that that manifesting takes place through the fifth layer of the auric field. Would you explain that thing about layers? Yeah. So um, the aura that surrounds us is divided into five layers for the human body. And each layer has a significant importance. In fact, the aura is extremely organized. It's a huge body of energy. When someone's really in alignment, the auric field can and will extend three city blocks. So it can be a very huge organism. And it's kind of like our skin where, I know, isn't that interesting? Where it naturally protects, you know, our our skin naturally protects protects our tissues and and vessels and organs underneath it. The auric field, when it's, especially when it's expanded, it's a natural protector um, of of some sort. Because I really don't believe in the protection kind of, terminology because I think it then we're inviting fear and I agree out, that's but, exactly what I right? teach we're just naturally protected yeah. by the light within us actually exactly exactly um, my mother taught her five kids years ago because she was so busy and we're all a year apart so she had an extraordinary time raising five mm-hmm. kids she taught us to run white light in our bodies all day long because she couldn't take care of all of us so wow um, so these early. layers um, are they consent like concentric like nested Russian dolls? Yeah, exactly. So it's like an eggshell that surrounds us. The first layer is approximately three inches away from the human form, and it's approximately three inches in depth. And it's it's unique compared to the other six layers of the auric field. And as I'm describing this in inches or feet, I'm just taking it down to something that we can easily use in teaching versus three city blocks. So it's kind and of this a, is this is from yeah. your experience. You've seen it and felt it, right? Oh yeah, I see it all day long. All day long, I'm hanging out in people's auras and their chakras all the time. Mm-hmm. So the first layer of the auric field is literally a hologram. It's the only field in uh, your aura that is a hologram, and it has a complete copy of everyone's anatomy and physiology that is. Um, vibrating in perfect health and harmony. So even if someone has a disease or has broken a bone or maybe they, their blood um, sugar levels are elevated or they're hypoglycemic, in their, in their hologram, no disease exists, no fractured bone has ever occurred. And when we're grounded, because the first layer of the auric field has a strong relationship to the first chakra, when we're grounded and pulling up earth energy into our body, which is healthy for those of us in human form, we naturally then feed the aura, that first layer, that hologram, and when the hologram has, has, is vibrating at a nice, comfortable frequency, it reminds the anatomy, the real anatomy and physiology for the individual what health looks like. So that's its primary job. 
Well, let me and, ask you then. I'm, yeah. I I have so much I want to get to about your what if questions, and and I'm so fascinated <laughs> by the the layers. Are mm-hmm. are you saying that each layer uh, goes along with each chakra, so that the fifth layer goes with the fifth chakra, the throat chakra? It does. It does. So can, all can, the layers. Can we skip right to it. that then? And we since are gonna we're going to get into right manifesting. Absolutely. So the fifth layer of the auric field actually has something very in common with the first layer. So the first layer is also called an etheric template, meaning that it never changes. The hologram always exhibits a healthy reality. Um, And the fifth layer of the auric field is called the divine plan, and it always exhibits everyone's natural gifts and talents, everyone's abilities, things that people could never imagine about themselves exist because as you and I know, and many people I'm sure who are listening, when creation birthed a soul, it came from inspired, expanded consciousness and unique individualization. And at that same time, so did this beautiful divine plan, the fifth layer of the auric field, where all of these things are seeded into the aura so that we can manifest them in the human world if we will allow ourselves to. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now, can every, where does everybody find these things, this teaching from you? I can't remember in your, is all of this in your book or is this There's in your a classes? Lot of information. Um, yeah, I teach classes all the time and I talk about energy on the radio. The, but my book does have, uh, at the, the last chapter is all about the org field and there's even a body scan and meditation that you can do to help with um, your org field and your chakra system. Great. So you're saying that if you have the potential to do certain things, it's already in that fifth layer. Yeah, it's been there. And it will stay there forever. Your potential, your uniqueness, your magnificence will never leave you. Just like the hologram of of a healthy body exists within your aura already. That's why some people can spontaneously heal. Or if they even are missing an organ, they don't have side effects from it because they're grounded and they are allowing the energy, let's say, from their gallbladder to exist in their body, even though their gallbladder has been removed. Oh, wow. Wow. I hope everybody listening is saying wow with me because it's fascinating. (laughs) So to your smart question about the fifth chakra and the fifth layer of the field, when we speak our truth, which is a very unique experience, you know, our, our true truth doesn't come from our mind. And, and I would love to talk about my perception. I'm sure you have a very similar or a even more advanced perception of the human mind. When we stop listening to our minds, especially the fearful information, because that's not intuitive. Intuition never communicates or rarely, if ever, communicates through fear. So it's a calm relaxed um, experience. And and so most people, when they speak, they're speaking through fear and anxiety and worry and doubt. And so they're not able to connect to the fifth layer of their auric field because the fifth layer of the auric field is fed or highlighted, if you will, or increases its vibration when an individual speaks their truth. Mm. Mm. And guess what is the most prescribed medication in the United States? Oh, I don't know, but I know you do. <laughs> Thyroid medication. Oh, the wow. The prescribed, even more than antidepressants, even more than statins um, or anything to do with blood mm. pressure. Thyroid medication is the number one prescribed medicine in the U.S. And I think it's so because So what's that most... going to do to the auric field? 
I think it's, I, I think anything that we do to support the body is perfectly fine. You know, the, the that's why I love all forms of medicine, medicine, but what I, uh-huh. I, I just it got it. You're uh-huh. saying it's the most prescribed because so many people are not speaking their truth. Exactly. And, uh-huh. and then people are trying to figure out why can't I find my truth? Why can't I find my purpose? Why can't I discover who I am? And it's because they're not speaking from their authentic selves, which has nothing to do with the, the mind. They have to get into the heart and feel and to connect with the soul. I agree, except for the, the majority of people that you and I speak to and who we are as well is we're highly empathetic, right? To be the intuitive that you are and the medium that you are, you're a crazy empathic person. You feel people, even people you've never met before or who are already on the other side and probably other dimensions. Correct, mm-hmm. right? So oh, yes. Empathic- <laughs> So empathic people, I believe, need to take a break from their heart chakra. You know, you've learned through your work and your connection and your, be able to, and your ability to channel information how neutral the universe is. So it's allowed you to be neutral. That's how you get your work done. Otherwise, if you felt everything all the time, you wouldn't be able to proceed. But you're able to feel the divine, and the divine doesn't think that anything's wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I actually encourage people to rest in their second chakra or their feet or their knees somewhere away from the heart chakra and the mind because empathic people need to learn how to allow their heart chakra to vibrate in its authentic frequency, which is universal love, which is what the universe vibrates in, which again is not overly empathetic. It's a place where, of course, we care if we can't do something to help someone, maybe we'll write a check or we'll say a prayer, but then we don't allow our emotions to go down the rabbit hole of feeling terrible for someone or the world at large because it's mm-hmm. really not going to help the world at large. So Very, very interesting I, advice. Very interesting, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah you know, there cool. Are people, there are people so, who are not empathetic, you know, who I think need to learn compassion, which is different, but usually people who study spirituality... Um, and are attracted to it are very empathetic. Yeah, we encounter that an awful lot. So speaking of manifesting, how does joy fit into manifesting? Such a great question. Such a great question. If an individual can allow their vibrational system, their human form and their auric form, which, you know, they may not have a visual awareness of their subatomic particles, but if they can allow their body to be happy, consistently, which I, they can tell the difference between being happy and being unfulfilled or unhappy, then they're going to vibrate their subatomic particles more to creating and manifesting their desires. Because all the things we want in our lives vibrate at a very high frequency. And when humans vibrate their energy lower than the things that they want, then it's difficult for the frequencies to line up and for us to then to re- easily receive our desires. So it's really important that people spend time discovering and rediscovering what brings them authentic joy. So, for example, if you're trying to get a new job or sell your house or something, what is the difference vibrationally, energetically between saying, oh, I'm never going to get that job or this house won't sell (laughs) versus a different viewpoint? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So if someone is selling a house and 
if there's something in their house they probably don't want it anymore, it's not making them happy anymore, or something in their life has changed, and hopefully they're excited about another home or an adventure that they're going to take. So we hope that they're excited about that, but at the same time, they're going to need to feel happy for what the house has given them. In fact, I would remind them the day you bought that house, the first day that you walked in as a homeowner, I bet you were excited. And can you go back to that frequency and that vibration while your home is on the market and why people are walking through your home? Because that's going to entice someone to actually purchase it. Now, as an energy intuitive, what do you see in the auric field when people vibrate that kind of thought? Well, what changes? first of all, yeah, that's a great question. First of all, their vibration gets bigger. So their aura starts to stretch out to those three city blocks. And when your aura gets big, it fills up with more energy. So all of a sudden, their auric fields become more vibrant. They become cleaner. Um, it's as if the energy in their body and their organs start running at a faster rate. The molecular patterns that they have in their human energy system moves quicker, which means they even start detoxifying. It's like drinking lots of delicious spring water and flushing out any toxins that could have been in your, your body from the beautiful water that you're drinking. So many things happen when people expand their energy. But when an individual starts to speak their truth, there's a beautiful vibration that goes from their throat chakra to the fifth layer where their divinity lives while they're in physical form. And, and when that happens, it highlights the fifth layer of their auric field, and it allows them to actually get ideas, become inspired, to start to get curious. They, all of a sudden, they may go, huh, maybe I should go take an art class. Huh. And it will be just a free-floating idea, which is what intuition is. It's just this mm -hmm. natural, calm, you know, suggestion or um, some sort of, um, hey, what about, you know, what about this? And then all of a sudden someone goes to culinary school who never thought that they would be a chef and find, and they discovered not only are they extremely talented at it, but it lights their soul on fire because it's normal to be happy. It's normal to be fulfilled. It's normal to live a life that brings you joy. So you're saying that, by becoming excited about something that's coming up, we don't just happen to have these thoughts. We've ignited that. Exactly. You're igniting it. You're, you're highlighting your divine plan, and then you can see, hear, or feel something that you were unaware of. And, and then if you act on it, then you'll know right away, like, oh, wow, that was an authentic, intuitive hit. Wow, I actually am an artist or like in my case oh I actually like nursing school interesting interesting mm -hmm. so to manifest our divine plan our desires our purpose do we just use affirmations you know I've never really been a fan of affirmations and I haven't always understood that until maybe the last five years it became a lot clearer to me, mostly because I've spent so much time understanding the neurotransmitters of the brain and the patterns and the beliefs that people create, because a big part of my job in helping people to heal is to change their belief system. And, um, and so when we use an affirmation, I personally believe that unless you have a belief system to support it, it's going to take a long time for it to actually work. It's going to take a long time for it to build a pathway in your neurotransmitter package of your brain. And most people make 
affirmations and repeat them because they want a belief system so it can change their life that's different than the one that they have. But so, you're saying they don't actually, they may not necessarily believe what they're saying? Right. Because if you've ever used an affirmation and it worked for you quickly, it's because you already had a belief system for it. It already was happening on some level or it happened once before and you have a belief system to support it. Or it's, it, let's say someone's good at creating money, but they're not great at it. Like they would love to have a lot more. They'd love to retire, but they already have a positive belief system about money. So if they start using affirmations, boom, they're going to start to attract even more wealth. Next thing you know, they're, they will be able to retire. But for most people who, who don't have good belief systems about what they're trying to create, affirmations just don't work because the ego is threatened by affirmations. But interesting enough, the ego, which resides in the brain and is drenched in layers and layers and layers and layers of fear, and, and it's funny how people think when they hear an ego thought that that's intuitive, but it's, if it's fear-based, then it's definitely not intuitive, at least in my experience. Um, right? Yeah. Of course, yeah, it's part of the story, the story that's not, not the true self. Exactly. Yeah, that's a beautiful way to describe it. So what I've learned, though, is that the ego is not threatened by curious questions. And most people are asking negative, curious questions all day long in their brain, like, oh, that, what if that never turns out? What if I get a flat tire on my way to work tomorrow? Um, what if I get laid off from my job? I and mean, humans are just drowning in curious, negative thinking all day long. And then they speak it to all their friends, too, all the time. So I've actually then discovered, and I don't think I'm the originator of this, but it was kind of an original thing for me, is curious, positive, what if questions? What if I speak my truth and easily align to my divinity? Hmm. Hmm. Um, yeah. What if I am able to create a job that lights my soul on fire? What if I'm with every breath that I'm taking, I am becoming more and more intuitive. What if I'm actually happy? What if I'm easily discovering joy? I think there's multiple what if questions that an individual can use. And if, if limitless. we would, right? right yeah. Limitless. I agree. This is exciting. I'm sitting here all of a sudden. I'm getting all excited. I mean, I'm a wonderful manifester already. And I just love I know creating are. our reality, but this I is know. like, Ooh, I can't wait to play with this. So please keep talking. It's so fun. And what I've noticed for people, because if, if individuals are like what I've experienced, and including myself, I've caught myself thinking negative what-if questions and <gasps> stopped myself and quickly created a positive what-if question. And within days, the outcome completely changes. And um, why is so that? So what happens? Tell us energetically well, how that works. <laughs> I love your questions, by the way. What <laughs> happens is that Every single time we ask a curious question, a what-if question, whether it's positive or negative, we are calibrating our subatomic particles to match the answer, that are, the particles that are in our body, our own electrons and protons. Because the ego is not threatened by these uh, curious questions, we're literally teaching our energy system to vibrate to the answer. So if we start you know, saying, what if, you know, what if my body is healthy and well and is vibrating at the age of, pick your age, whatever you want, year old, um, then the body is going to start to calibrate that because the body is actually immensely intelligent. 
And well, it's for me, whose brain shut off about two hours ago, please define calibrate. <laughs> oh, okay. So calibration is, it's kind of like a car, you know, like, you know, when, and of course we don't get to fix our cars like we used to because modern cars require, you know, diagnostic machines and expert mechanics. But it used to be back in the day, you'd open up the hood and you would balance pistons. I happen to love cars, even though I'm not a mechanic, and make sure that the RPMs are not too high um, when you're just idling at a red light. So there's a calibration that occurs within an engine to help it to hum and function at its highest level. The same thing is true with the human body. Calibration means that you're getting it to sync up and align to the answer to the question that you're asking. So I teach that everything, every thought, every desire, every piece of matter has a specific frequency. And you're saying that you're, you're aligning to the frequency of the chakras, of the thing you want to desire. Is that it? Yeah. I had this um, for several years. I had knee pain. And no, I did not go to the doctor. I did go to an acupuncturist. And I can't remember who else, some other practitioners. And it just wasn't healing. And one day I finally heard my mind because a lot of times we're not even aware of what we're thinking. You know, that's because we're in our head, you know, just allowing it to to go crazy rather than being present in our physical form and become more conscious. And I didn't realize that I was saying to myself, what if I need a, knee, a total knee replacement? And I went, oh, wow, interesting. I've been saying that to myself all this time, and I haven't been able to heal my knee. And, and I, my intuition did not tell me that I needed surgery because, again, I actually like modern medicine. And if my intuition would have told me that, I would have gone, okay, I'll go get an MRI and see what's up. So mm-hmm. I stopped myself from repeating that in my mind, and I started to repeat in my mind because I did it while I was working because my energy is high also when I'm working, higher than when I'm not working, typically something I'm working on. And to have it high all the time, um, I started to say, what if my knees, and I said both of them, feel amazing? And I would just say mm. it, you know, maybe every hour for a couple minutes, and I could feel my particle mass start running at a higher rate, getting excited, and I could feel myself more joyful. And it took about Oh, I weeks have to interrupt had... you then, just a second, yeah. because how many of us were trained to say, my knees feel amazing over and over. That's the <laughs> affirmation. And if right. and what you're saying, Marie, is that if we don't believe that, because really they don't feel so amazing, we're not going to manifest. <laughs> but if you with joy and wonder say, what if my knees feel amazing? That what leaves if? the intelligence of the universe, the, that space Pick to step in and do it. And that's why I love the what if, because you don't have to believe in it. You're just curious about it. You're interested. And humans love curiosity. And curiosity is a positive vibrational frequency. So so, about two so weeks, we could say, then, what if the house sells for full price, over the price? Exactly. Right. right. What if there's a bidding war in my house? What if? Right. Whatever you truly desire. So it took about two weeks. And then all of a sudden I had this spontaneous memory of a practitioner that a friend had told me about over a decade ago. Totally forgot about it. Never went and saw this practitioner, even though she's she just had accolades for this person. And she's very good at picking excellent practitioners. So, of course, I made an appointment with this person. The first session I had, he's, he's a rolfer. The pain was gone 
by 40%, my very first session. And I have zero knee pain. And if I ever have anything going on, I just go see him and he takes care of it for me. So there, there's an answer, as you know, to everything. But we have to actually get our energy system to be in alignment with the vibration. And it doesn't have to be 100% alignment. You could still be somewhat away from it. But you have to be closer to the vicinity of that frequency to allow your being to gain the consciousness of it. So with just a minute and a half to go here or so, how about a caution to people that if we're not going to manifest a million dollars, maybe not, please manifest things that serve the greater good and we don't always have the big picture. But with joy, this really opens up a lot of what can serve the greater good here. Right. And And I think also... You know, being general about the question, you know, we don't need millions and millions of dollars unless it would be in our highest good and we're going to be generous and compassionate to humanity or animals or whatever. That sounds lovely. But we can say, what if I have the resources that light my life on fire and give me the freedom that I desire? Because the universe knows what's in our highest good, right? And it could be some configuration that we never even imagined that comes into view and allows us to have the freedoms that we desire. Wow. So we didn't get into speaking them aloud. We have just 30 seconds left, Marie, but I know that you do advocate saying this aloud for the vibratory benefit of that. Can we find out more about this on your website or just through a class or what? Well, I'm working on writing some stuff about it right now, but um, yes, I classes about it. I talk about it on the radio all the time. So, yes. Um, it's, all right. But I'm working well, on the thank you part. so much for joining us. Everybody, You're check welcome. out Marie Manucheri's work, her radio show, her books, everything at energyintuitive.com. It's been a pleasure, Marie. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.